Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and it is season two of Brazen Education. I know we're on a hiatus for a little bit, and season one wrapped up with 10 episodes, so welcome back. This is episode 11, season two, and this episode is called Finishing Year 13 as an Educator. Currently, I am outside in my sunroom. I am chilling. I'm enjoying the sun. I am enjoying just being outside, and what I'm most excited about is today is the last day of my school year yesterday was our last day with students today was the last staff day i just had a wonderful dinner with my husband and my boys to kind of celebrate wrapping up the school year and now i'm at home just relaxing and thinking about and reflecting about this school year so i thought i would talk to you about wrapping up year 13. this is I mean, I can't believe this. I'm starting to feel old. This is my 13th year as an educator. And when you think about that, that's a big milestone. And I know 13 is normally like not a number that we go out and celebrate. But when you think about the state of education and how people don't stay in this profession long term, you know, the magic number seems to be five. So the fact that I'm past the decade now finishing year 13 I'm, I'm proud of that but it was hard this school year was hard this school year began with a lot of joy um, last school year I was offered a great opportunity to be a teacher leader I was even paid a significant stipend on top of my salary and this job was created uh, in July of last school year and then at the end of August, they informed me that they were no longer going to have my position, like this position that was just created at the end of the school year. So that put me in a situation where I needed to look for a job unexpectedly. And I was already frustrated because the reason I was taking a new job last school year is because my job disappeared the year before that. And so for this to be the second year in a row, I was just like, man, I just I had enough of this. And I was frustrated because in both of those situations, I would have stayed where I was. I would have just stayed put out for me it has to be like a reason why I'm gonna get up and go interview for another job like it just has to be something um, I did I taught English for eight years and the thing that got me to kind of get out and go search for a different job because I went from English to work with English language learners was I just had this this passion I got my master's in language education and I was just so passionate about working with English language learners so that was like the kind of kick I needed to get up and say hey Shantae go out there put yourself out there interview find another job and so to be in a situation where you don't have the choice because your job has been taken you know we don't need this position anymore and you're forced to go out and look for a job you feel like you don't have the control and so for me I'm like if I'm gonna take a job I'm gonna pick a good job for myself so I chose to go back to a district I have worked in for five years I have worked there as a middle school English teacher but I returned this school year as an elementary librarian and this would make uh, my third elementary school and um, 
and the year before um, last school year I was in the high school so I went from high school back down to um, elementary and the other thing was when I left college I really wanted to teach in the high school if you ask me if you ask me when I was a uh, in my last year in college I would have told you I am going to be a high school English teacher or a high school reading teacher that's what I wanted to do and then I couldn't for the life of me get hired and then one principal he called me he said um he said this, He's and I knew, like, you know how you're doing an interview, like, this interview isn't going well. The district had these technology priorities, or talking about stuff I didn't even know about. So I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't get the job. But the guy says to me, he said, I think you're a good educator, you're just not right for this school. He said, how about you uh, look at middle school? But the other thing that happened before this interview started, I was sitting in the lobby, and I had no clue what the principal looked like, because, you know, I did my research, but I couldn't find a picture of this guy. So I'm sitting there waiting for the guy to come out, and he walked past me three times because he didn't realize I was there for the interview. He thought I was just like a kid, like, coming to enroll for the school, and maybe my parents were somewhere filling out their enrollment papers. So that's how that interview started. So last year, to be in a high school somewhere where I had always wanted to be my whole entire career and to have that kind of taken away, I was like, man. But I was like, you know what, that's cool. I went to this librarian thing, and I was super excited about it because I had the choice between, at this point in time, taking an admin role or taking this role. And I decided to take the librarian role, and I'll explain why. At this point in my career, I had been a classroom teacher. I had been an English teacher. I had been a teacher that supports students. I was an English language learning teacher. I was a literacy coach in both elementary and high school. And so for me, knowing I had my admin license, I said this would be a perfect position because it would give me another opportunity to step in a different role as a special area elective teacher. And I feel to be an administrator, you really need to understand the different roles people have. And what better way to understand those roles than stepping into those shoes? And so I said this will be great. But here's where my first problem came. My support circle, half of them did not support my decision to take this job. They thought I was uh, being like uh, Jonah in the Bible and was running from my calling, running from what I was supposed to do. I was reminded how in church um, when I was a teenager, when I was in college, and then when I came out of college and I was an adult, and I, I took the spiritual gifts um, assessment, which tells you what your gift is in ministry. And every time I took it, my gifts came out in this order every single time. Administration, teaching, and service in that order. So everyone's like, even the church says that's what you should be doing, and you're going to go work in the library? But you guys don't understand. Like, I mean, if you know me, you understand. If you've been in my house, you understand because I have books everywhere. Um, look, my husband got clothes everywhere. And uh, if you know my husband, he has his. My husband probably has three times as many shoes as I have. But I probably have tons. I got books. I finally got my books out of the kitchen. Um, <laughs> but I have books. I have books everywhere but the restroom because there's just something. You know, I know some people have like a little basket where they have books at. I just think that's gross because I just can't. I just think that the books are just going to have stuff on it that's just gross. So I do not have books in my restroom like some people do. But I, ha I had books everywhere. The kitchen, living room, dining room, stacked up on the floor by my bed, on top of the lamp by my bed, on the desk by my bed under the desk by my bed on top of the refrigerator so I've been making some efforts um, like for my school library I donated 125 of my own books <sighs> and that was hard <laughs>
I could have donated more, but once I got to 125, I was like, look, <laughs> husband, <laughs> I got over a hundred bucks out of her house. <laughs> I I can't cope with getting any more. And some of you are probably like, what? Well, she took 125 bucks out of her house. Yes, and I still have. Well, we don't need to talk about that because that's not even the focus of this this uh, episode. So nonetheless, I love books. <laughs> so so being in the library all day was just, oh my gosh, it was awesome that first month. And then reality set into the situation I walked into. I walked into a library that hadn't been weeded in years. And if you know anything about being a librarian, you want to not only diversify your collection, but you want to have a young collection. Um, if you go to the public library, like here in Indianapolis, I go to the public library, there'll be a sticker on the book. They'll say something like October 2016. Well, that's telling me that's the year they purchased that book because after a book is like 10 years old, it could be falling apart and you need to order a replacement. So there were books on the shelf that literally had duct tape on it. Um, there was a um, book, A Snowy Day. Um, uh, one of my uh, favorite children's books. The whole front cover was faded because it was so old. The copy of that book was 30 years old. Um, so I had to go through all the books. The library was organized in the odd way. So I literally reorganized like the Dewey Decimal section, which people call nonfiction. If you know anything about the Dewey Decimal system, everything in that section is just because it has a number doesn't mean it's nonfiction. But I'm not going to get into the weeds about that. You can look up that on your own. I uh, redid the graphic novel section. I redid the picture book section. I redid the easy fiction section. I redid the fiction section. And then um, I had this area which I called the teacher zone. And it was level readers and resources for teachers that they could check out. And it was a freaking hot mess. I had a teacher tell me that the last person said, I'm not even going to deal with that. And I could tell you didn't deal with it because it was a hot mess. So. That's just one thing. You're talking about reorganizing the books, moving books off of shelves, and then getting rid of things. And sometimes people just feel some type of way when you take books off the shelves. And so I was getting pushback from people. You're going to throw away uh, such and such? You're not going to keep that book? And I'm like, nobody's reading it. I I pulled up the report. This book hasn't been checked out in 10 years. So you're arguing with me right now because you want me to keep a book on the shelf that no one's reading instead of replacing it with a book that kids are asking to read. So my job is to get kids to read. My job is to get them to pick up a book. If they're not going to pick up a book, they're not going to read. And if they're not reading, their reading is not going to prove. Because the only way you can get better at reading is by actually sitting down, opening a book, and read. And so this was just some of the opposition I was coming against. And then I started putting systems into place because uh, when people say what they think I would be a good administrator, they talk about that I put systems into place for everything. And so I started putting systems into place, and people were resistant. Like... I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to have to bring my books to this place. Oh, you, uh, I have to request something this way. And I kept explaining what I'm trying to track information. I need to know what is actually being used. If you're not checking it out, then I have no evidence that someone's reading this book. And I would still have people was like, well, you know how people are. They're just not going to do um, what they don't want to do. And so that made it very difficult um, when you just have people that I've felt like was just being unnecessarily difficult for no reason but just to be like you're changing things and I don't like it and I understand some people don't like change and then 
I started off the semester with a little over $100 when I was supposed to have thousands of dollars, but the money was spent. And in my office, and my office was hooked to the, the, to the library, and, you, and it was glass. So the kids could see that I had a cart of books in my office that were brand new. They were on the shelves, but I didn't have the appropriate labels because the labels that the person brought, I kept trying to print off stuff and it wasn't working. That's because the, the previous person brought the wrong type of labels. So the information wouldn't print inside the box because it wasn't the one. And so I go in and, I'm, and I was just so frustrated because I'm like, this person likes attention to detail because if you go into the system, it tells you what labels to buy and you didn't buy those labels so therefore that's why and you have books on the shelf where half the label was cut off and they wrote in like the uh the library barcode number i'm like this is this is ridiculous and i'm like i'm not doing all that we're gonna buy the right thing so i actually spent the money out of my own pocket to get the labels to label the books the first semester because the other option was to wait till january when i got money and then do it then and i was like no i'm not gonna do this to these kids because once again we got stuff on the shelf that kids aren't reading and then i came in on a couple saturdays which my husband was 100 percent against because he's like i don't want you at this job all day trying to fix all this stuff you know this is a lot of stuff my kids who are avid readers they're like mom this this library sucks and that's exactly what my kids said and i'm like well okay we can say use some different words but they're like mom like these are boring books are not this is not interesting like this is not like our library school this is not like the public library so my kids who read a lot of things um i have one son who reads a lot of nonfiction. Like he has a book right now on the periodic table and he can tell you what he's reading about and what LMS does what. I have another son that reads a lot of graphic novels and fiction. So we cover everything. Um, we read magazines. So there's a lot of things that we cover. So for them um, who read that reads a lot and they're in my space. So I was trying to change all of this stuff. And I just felt like the more I try to do to make things better, the more people... The more some people complained and the more some people couldn't see what I was trying to do. And then it felt like people were like, well, you're not getting it done fast enough. And I'm like, I'm only one person. And in this particular school district, they don't have library assistance anymore. So no one's there to really help. And so I put systems into place to help. I did a uh, reading program with kindergarten and third grade where the third grade would come and pretty much run the kindergarten um, time. I would do something at the beginning of the first 10 minutes and then the third graders ran everything else. Then I trained fourth through sixth graders. I trained them for a month and that was a whole other thing. Like they had to sign a contract. They had badges. Um, they had levels they were on because I would straight put you on probation and then I would fire you if you didn't get off of probation. And some teachers Loved that system, and some teachers thought it was too harsh. But I said, you know, you should take pride and honor in your work, and I need you to do work correctly because we do not have time to redo stuff because you didn't learn how to do it properly. And the students who made the cut and who learned, I mean, I didn't have to do much in regards to putting things back on the shelf because they would help me with it the sixth graders i trained them in doing stuff with labeling the books and that took a little more i actually trained them for two extra weeks on that but it just made them have a sense of pride and ownership of a space that everyone used and even to the point where some teacher would go to my helpers as a resource because they knew if i was engaged with kids oh i can ask this helper because this person is going to tell me what to do and so i'm doing all these things and then my other issue I had was with my principal. 
when I interview with my principal, I really like her. And right now, I will tell you I still like her as a person. So uh, well, what I'm about to say is not that I do not like her. It's just it was interesting. I was talking to someone about it. And they're like, it's kind of like when you marry somebody. And this is not my experience because me and my husband are cool. When you marry somebody, it's like, yeah, we're good as friends, but we're not good in this type of relationship as a marriage. And I kind of felt like that's kind of what happened with my principal and I. Cool person. Think she's talented. I think she offers a lot at the school, but when you tell me as an educator who's in year 13 of your career that um, your leadership needs improvement in every single aspect, um, that don't work for me. That does not work for me. And I told her, I told her last uh, Friday, I said, that does not work for me. I said, I became a team leader as early as my second year in the classroom. I've been on leadership teams throughout my career. The last three years, I was in a district where they labeled me as a teacher leader and paid me a stipend over all my salary for the last three years. And the first two years, they paid me over my salary. And the last year, it was double. The stipend had to double. So no district throwing money at someone and giving them a leadership title. And they don't have some type of leadership skills. And so you're trying to tell me that I showed up to this to your school and all of a sudden you're 13. All my leadership skills is well out the window and everything needs improvement. And I'm just like, I cannot accept that. And that does not work for me. And that's exactly what I said. And it was kind of like I agree to disagree. And we did not have a nasty conversation. I was just like and and even with my evaluation, because I rated myself and I mostly put threes for everything because I'm like, this is my first year being a library. I don't feel um I, I just it's hard for me to be in year one of doing a role and being like, oh, yeah, I'm highly affected in all these areas. And she marked me highly affected in areas that I didn't mark myself in. So I was kind of surprised about that. Um, and not that I pushed back on that. I was just like, you know how you kind of judge yourself harder than other people see you. But when we talk about my leadership and everything that needs improvement, I just couldn't I couldn't accept it. And I just and, and here's the thing. I don't think I've arrived as a leader. I think there's things that I could do to be better. And I think I could be 80 years old and I will still have that belief because I always feel that you can grow in anything that you do. But to tell me that every aspect of my leadership needs improvement, no. (laughs) I don't accept that. I won't accept that. And it doesn't work for me. And so all those situations just led me to, like, what do I do, right? And this is year 13, and I'm like, man, why is this year so hard? And I will say this was one of my harder years in the classroom. Not that doing the lessons was hard. That was cake. Relationship with students, good. Classroom management, great. There was a few, like, little incidents towards the end of the school year with some kids not doing what they were supposed to do. But I didn't feel like my classroom management was out of control or anything. It just had some kids that were just... They were just trying to push it to, you know, as far as they can go, but I didn't work because all the kids know you can be. And look, I'm short. I'm short and I'm little. <laughs> I'm like, you can be tiring over me, but uh, what you're not going to do is do all that. <laughs> so, um, but my issue was, I'm like, man, you've only been at this school for one year. You can't go out and look for a job. And I, that bothered me. And this is October. October is when I had the first decision of maybe I need to go do something else. And I'm like, no, no, Shantae, you're not going to go do something else. You're going you're gonna to stick it out. Uh, you're going to come back. Because I had made a plan for myself. My plan was to stay at this role for two to four years and then uh, potentially consider 
using my admin license. And I know that sounds like a crazy plan, but that was the plan. So when I started having these arguments with myself since October, had a whole argument with myself over winter break, had a whole argument with myself over spring break. And then, I'm, you know, people are like, well, you should come out to this job for now. The minority job for now. I ain't going to that. Shanta, you should apply. You know how some school districts, they have like an open application because they just want app, uh, uh, people to apply and they can reach out if they have opening. No, I'm not going to do that. And then finally, I was just like, no. I should at least put myself out there. And if there's a possibility, I could find myself in a different situation where I'm not made to feel like I'm less than when I know I'm not less than. Um, I should do that. And so uh, that's what I decided to do like at the end of April, which is like, you know, they already start interviewing folks in early March. I'm like, you know what? If it's God's will for me to get something different, he will. If it's God's will for me to stay where I'm at. Uh, that's what will happen and I will make do and find a way to move forward and so that was happening and then underneath that it was like my personal life was going on my sons had a lot of doctor's appointments and I had to file intermittent FMLA the last time I filed FMLA is when I gave birth to my kids like so it wasn't like something I've done before and I was just like so frustrated because like I'll be real with y'all. My last paycheck, they took $600 out of it because I'm out of days now. And so now anytime I go to an appointment, you know, it's unpaid. And I just feel bad about it because I'm the person who graduated from high school with four years perfect attendance. And that means, yes, I went to school on senior skip day. So I'm a person that is just known for showing up. And to be in a situation where I couldn't show up because my son has a health issue. And then like last, this week actually, we had to take him to the cardiologist because they were thinking was my one son that the right side of his heart was working harder than the other side. And so I'm just like, I just can't. And so the stress of, and of course, you know, you just can't just bang, pop up and get into the cardiologist. You had to schedule these appointments out. So now I got this whole month where I'm thinking about like what's going on with my kid's heart. Is you know, is that one side working too hard? What does this mean? You know, uh what does it have to happen? Is he gonna have a surgery? So this is all this stuff is chugging in my mind. You know, when I'm trying to think about this. And then my one son was having difficulty acclimating to his classroom. And so it's like, man, the school is calling my phone. You know, I'm trying to get this library together. And then on top of that, the books were mislabeled in the library. So that, that was a whole separate thing. So I always had carts of books coming back that I had to take the labels off and redo them. And so I'm just like, there's just always something going on this year. And I do not understand why. And I've just had enough. And winter break, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, winter break, I was sitting down in Mississippi at my father-in-law's house, and I was just like, I'm just, I could just go home. Like, I don't need this. And I'm not just saying that to say that. We, I, some people who know me from my church life know I am a big advocate of D-free, which means no debt, no deficit, and no delinquency. And so it's like a lifestyle where it's kind of like the Dave's Ramsey. If you know Dave's Ramsey, it's kind of like that. It's kind of getting to a point where you have no debt. And so currently right now, the only debt my husband and I have is the mortgage on our house and my SUV. And I'm still a little salty about my SUV because the day of winter break last school year, I was leaving in my car that had been paid off for six years and a little 20-year-old hit my car, ran a light, hit my car, and totaled it. So 
I, the, the, the car dealership guy said, you are the, the most unhappiest person. Cause we went to go shop for the car. It was like a vehicle for myself. It was like December 23rd. So, you know, who doesn't want a new vehicle for Christmas? Not me. I got to the place. I'm sitting there and the man's like, are you going to get up and get in the vehicle? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't even want to be here right now. And the guy was like, well, talking to my husband. He's like, if y'all need to go step into my office and have a conversation, my husband like, she'll be fine. <laughs> and he and my husband like, are we going to get in this car? He said, you need to get a vehicle. I said, I don't want a payment. I said, if I said all we have right now is the mortgage on this house. I do not want to take out a loan. Like, I was throwing up. I was, I will be real with y'all. I was throwing a whole tantrum <laughs> up in the lobby. And my husband's like, but you got money back from your car being total. We have money in our savings account that's not even going to affect what he has saved up in our emergency savings. Like, our emergency savings is great. He's like, you, we can do this. So after I threw my tantrum, I was like, fine, I'll go drive it around the block. So I drove it around a couple of streets. I'm like, yeah. So essentially the SUV I'm driving, my husband picked out. I got into it. It's like, whatever. And but I like it. It has a third row so I can have my sons and my nieces. But yeah, that's a little type of attitude I had. But long story short, we truthfully can live just off of my husband's salary. And so winter break, I'm like, there's too much going on. I don't need this. But I was like, no, no, no. You are not just going to quit school after winter break. You're going to get yourself together and you're going to go back to work. So being in Mississippi, getting myself recuperated, I, I came back. And so with all that going on, and then what was I doing the first semester? I started a doctoral program on top of all that. So I had homework and all types of uh, things going on. And let, let, let me tell y'all. Doctoral programs are no joke. I'm like, I did my master's. Okay, I know how to do graduate work. Whew, 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 whew. Second semester, I did actually take a break. I'm actually resuming classes in the fall. I just, I was like, this is intense. My little brain wasn't ready for it, but I, I feel ready for it um, uh, in the upcoming semester. So I'm going to give you guys some takeaways that I kind of came up with um, for year 13. The first one is stay in the fight. Like I just said, I thought about seriously quitting because I'm like, and then my husband, I love this man. But every year he's like, babe, you don't have to work. You can stay at home and be a stay at home mom and be a stay at home wife. And he means it like he 100 percent means it. But I was like, no, I am called to teach. I'm called to be out here. These these children need an educator that looks like me, that thinks like me, who has equity in the forefront. I'm going to work. So. Regardless of how tough stuff gets at work, you got to stay in the fight. I mean, there was a complaint written about me about um, my writing and the associated stuff I put on my Twitter account that goes with my writing. A whole complaint. Um, and it was interesting because it pretty much went the response and the complaint went to the whole entire staff because there's like a leadership team. You can submit like an issue and then the issue is put in notes and then the response. And so the response is like this is a personnel concern. Um, but it was just like, and I'm an education writer, as most of you guys know. I'm just like, and here's the thing. It's not like I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, and it's not that I don't know what exactly you're actually responding to. Because I actually had a conversation with you in person and told you what I felt. So it wasn't like, oh, you read about it in, in an article, which I didn't write about this in an article. Or you came across my social media. 
I told you what it was. And so for you to go out here and write this complaint, I'm like, yeah, go, go, go right ahead. Because if you wanted to resolve something with me, we could have had a conversation. And I wasn't even nasty about it. <laughs> I just wasn't. Um, so when you're facing that, uh, type of situation, you can walk away with your tail between your legs, um, like a scared dog or you can stay in the fight. So I decided to stay in the fights and, and being an educator is hard. Um, but you know, kind of felt like, uh, that adversity was worth it. Um, because, um, I did win a writing award, uh, last Saturday, I won, um, excellence and education journalism award from the Indiana black expo. And I was, uh, very surprised by it. Um, I actually won a second award, uh, which was a excellence in education. Uh, and we got like a congressional recognition signed by our, um, uh, representative. I knew about that. Like, I'm like, yeah. And they said it was like 70 plus people get it. So I'm like, I knew about that. But to show up to the program and my name was printed on the program. And it's like, I'm getting this journalism award. And that was the thing that some people had issues with on top of me diversifying the library and buying different books and not buying things that they wanted me to buy. And granted, I did buy things that people requested. But I'm like, I'm buying what the students want, not necessarily what you want them to want. And that's where I came up against some opposition because I said, that's why kids don't read because we're trying to shove stuff in their face and we're not asking them what they are interested in because it's not about you teaching a novel. Cause I coached a teacher who was, uh, she was obsessed with Little House on the Prairie and her class was two thirds black boys. And I don't know how we had a class with that many boys in, but they're all black. No. They were all black except one of one, one white boy. I said, you can teach, I can teach you how to use metaphors and look at different elements of literature regardless of what the text is. So don't give me that excuse because that's the excuse that that teacher used. Well, you know, this is a classical text and um, we've been using this text for the last decade. And you can take those same, because we're teaching the skill. We're not teaching the novel. We're teaching the skill. You can teach that skill using different texts. It doesn't have to be the text that you read in school and that you've been using for the last 10 years and that you got this ready-made lesson plan that you haven't changed since the last decade. And uh, <laughs> so I'm my first point, stay in the fight. Second was know who you are. It was funny after, you know, I was told and informed that, you know, all my leadership uh, areas needed improvement. I went to church, so I got this on, I got this information on Friday, went to church on Sunday, and the sermon was about facing criticism, I, and you know, you be sitting in church sometimes, like, man, the preacher's speaking right to me, I'm like, man, the preacher named the sermon for me, but what was interesting, I'm listening to the preacher, and how he's explaining things, it's just, and I just thought about, know who you are, because first of all, people are not going to say nothing if you're not doing anything. You're not going to be on the radar if you're not doing anything. And secondly, just because somebody says something about you doesn't make it true. And we are tearing ourselves up and getting all worked up over the words of one person. If all these other people see your greatness and see what you are doing, why would you let one person who has a different opinion make you stop in your tracks? So I'm telling y'all right now, and I don't know who needs to hear this, know who you are. Know what your gifts are. Know what you're capable of. And don't let one person be a stumbling block because they are, you may get tripped up on that stumbling block and not reach your greatness and your potential. My next point is take care of yourself. I was afraid to file um, intermittent FMLA because I was worried about how it would appear um, with me being absent to take care of my child. 
and I was just worried and I wasn't taking care of myself um, this school year like in the last two months I lost 12 pounds and I know it was just I was worrying I wasn't taking care of myself I wasn't eating the best way I could have been eating and the one day I took off and took my son to an appointment, he had a fever of 100, I had a fever of 100. We were sick as dogs. And even right now, they actually have me on an inhaler um, because I can't shake this cough. And they said, you know, my lungs were wheezing. And it's just like, man, the last time I had an inhaler was sophomore year of college. And um, I, uh, sophomore year of college was uh, the 2000, what was it, 2002-2003 school year. So it's been a minute. <laughs> And so I'm like, man, I'm up here on an inhaler because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't getting better. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't even taking the medicine, the first medicine they gave me consistently. They're like, you have to take this at the same time every day. And I just was half taking it because I was just ripping and running. So take care of yourself and don't be afraid to put your family first. Yeah. Did I want $600 taken on my last paycheck? Hell no. But to give up that money or take care of my child. Because the option was... To put off the cardiologist appointment, I couldn't do that. And I guess I should say, my son's all right. Um, they've been monitoring him. Um, uh, we've been monitoring him. Um, my both of my sons are, are pre they were uh, born premature, so it's just kind of like we're just gonna keep monitoring, but we think everything's okay right now. So, so that's good. And then um, change is okay. Part of the reason I didn't want to look for a job, even though I knew that this wasn't a good fit or was, wasn't going to work for me, was I was like, but I, I only, I just came here, right? And there's another person at my job that came this year and has already resigned. So I was like, you know what, that, I, I shouldn't let that, like I was making up arbitrary reasons not to, to look for something better. And we do that sometimes. We're just like, you know what, I know this is not working. But I just don't I just don't want to put in the effort. And for me, it really came down to the fact that my last two jobs were eliminated. So I was forced to uh, look for a job. And this time now I'm choosing it. And so that's like three school years in a row. And I and I just want to find a school to stay at and be at for a minute, you know. And so for me, I'm just like, I don't I don't want to do this. But it's like. Go do this or keep fighting the same same battle. Because even today, some people were just, I'm like, are you just, is this the last day of, this is the last day of school? You coming in here like, yes, okay. Uh, even though I said turn that in over, okay. All right. I mean, one person brought me something and I was literally trying to leave. Like, literally have my purse, have my keys. And I was, and I, I could have been like, I was like, oh, that's, oh, oh, are you about to leave? And I said, oh, that's okay. Put my purse down, put my stuff. Y'all know I was about to leave. I said, nope. Shante, mm-mm. I put my purse down. I said, oh, that's okay. Come on, bring it on in here. And I went ahead and scanned the stuff. I'm just like, you know what? I don't know. That's a little thing, but it was some other things. But it's okay. So, um, I do. I've had, I have had some interviews. I have um, some interviews coming up. And actually, while we were at dinner, a principal called me uh, for an interview. So I don't know what I'm going to do next year. And I'm actually not too worried about it. Um, I actually have peace about it. I have peace about if I don't. And that's another thing. I'm not going to take anything. I put myself out there. First of all, I just told people publicly, I'm looking for a job. So if you hear something, let me know. And people did that. Like, immediately after I put the tweet out, I was like, oh, okay. Whoa, slow down. So I started having conversations with people. Um, because 
if you followed me last year, you know I was offered several jobs. And so I you only could pick one. So I turned down quite a few people. And some of those people, when they heard I was out looking, well, some of those said, crap, because I just filled this position. I would have offered you. <laughs> um, and so I've been having some conversations. So I have interviews scheduled for a good portion of next week. Um, and they're all different. I will say half our administration. Um, and I did just renew my admin license. And that renewal came in today. <laughs> Oh, my license expires on June 30th. And, I, and I'm like, and then I had to go do CPR to get it renewed. I was like, oh, man. So I scheduled that real quick, took care of that a few weeks ago, sent in the application. And it came through. So I actually have a active license to be an admin next school year. So my hope, so what is my hope? My hope is to um, return to secondary, to be um, completely honest. Most of my career has been in secondary, and I'm looking forward um, to find a position to come up to secondary. However, elementary is not off the table because I'm also looking for a good fit. So elementary could always uh, be an option uh, for me. Um, but um, if I could find a high school placement, that would be awesome uh, for me. And I'm just going to see what happened. I'm not uh, going to stress about it. I've been working with some other teachers who are, who are interviewing, and some of them were stressed. And I said, the first thing you got to do is let that stress go so you're not comparing um, to be nervous or unprepared or something's wrong in your interview. Um, so I've been told I interview well, but I'm not, I'm not cocky and I'm not overconfident. Um, uh, administrator interviews are different, and I've had admin interviews um, before. It's a panel, and there's tough questions, and I feel like there's some trick questions <laughs> up in there, and you have to be able to answer them. So I've been thinking about how I'm going to respond to certain questions that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be asked, um, and then trying to highlight my aspects to match to the school, and then kind of go from there, and everybody also knows that there's only a certain amount of distance I will drive from my house. Uh, so all the schools that have called me are within that distance. I absolutely hate to drive. My parents had to make me take uh, driver's ed. I was a senior in high school taking driver's ed with an ad. Yep. Me and my little tenor, I was up there in the ad. Everybody else in there, freshman saw I'm a senior. I was the only senior up there taking driver's ed. I had a whole attitude about it because I did not want to be there. My parents were just like, you doing it. And if you know my mom and dad, uh, when they say stuff, stuff like that, uh, there's no, there's no conversation. Uh, it don't matter what you, what you thought or what your feelings were. That's what you're doing. So, uh, once my parents realized <laughs> that I was about to go off to Purdue University and not know how to drive, yeah, my parents were like, no, <laughs> that's not gonna work for us. You're gonna go do driver's ed. <laughs> so I don't like to drive. Typically, uh, when I met my husband, the first thing I let him do was drive by car once I got it senior year. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you can uh, drive me around because uh, <laughs> I ain't trying to drive nowhere. <laughs> but um, so that's what I have for you. Um, I'm planning to relax. I have a couple. I have a party that I'm going to tomorrow. Then I'm going out of town uh, with my mom, my sisters, my nieces, uh, my husband and my son. And just going to uh, put on a swimsuit, going to kick back and uh, relax. So hopefully there's something I said today that's helpful. If you're a teacher listening to this and your school year has not ended, stay focused. The end is coming. I know kids are just forgetting about expectations, forgetting about the rules and regulations. Just like it's like the first week of school, but stay vigilant. <laughs> Try to get some rest. 
and make plans for what you're going to do because I have plans. I have me a, uh, some good strawberry rhubarb pie, some homemade ice cream today, and now I'm up here chilling in my sunroom, and I'm outside. So if you were hearing some birds tweet, uh, I think an airplane flew over while I was talking out here. I'm sorry about that, but I had to be extra comfortable to record this podcast because I just want y'all to know I am relaxed and my um, podcast is back. So we'll be recording throughout the summer and this is episode 11, the first episode of season two. And I hope you enjoy it and uh, I will talk to you guys soon.